Welcome to episode two of the Ziad Parker show. I know it's been a while since I did the first episode, but uh, trust me to start a sports podcast when all the sports around the world are postponed because of the coronavirus. And uh, speaking of the coronavirus, I hope you all are staying safe and practicing social distancing. So I had the idea of doing a segment which uh, I've entitled the Inspire series. And it was something I was going to bring into the show at a later stage. However, with most people around the world being in lockdown, I thought this is a great time to do the segment. And during the segment, I'll be interviewing people working or participating in sport at different levels. And together, we'll take a look at their journeys and how they got to where they are uh, at the moment. So I hope this will shine some light onto working in the sports industry and uh through that process serve to inspire you as well. So for this episode, I'll be talking to one of our Sportycast contributors, Jacques Stolls. And Jacques is a development coach who specializes in coaching cricket, hockey, rugby, and a couple of other sports. Jacques is self-employed and coaches at various academies and schools, as well as some nurseries um, over here in the UAE. So before we hear from Jacques about his journey uh, from playing sport in Durban to coaching various sports over here in Dubai, we first have the Cine 400. Hey, how's it going, Jacques? Good and you, mate. How are you doing? No, I'm not too bad. I eh? can't complain. What are you up to nowadays since you can't coach because of the lockdown? Well, uh, I've got the wife helping me uh, with some stuff and then she's she's making me do yesterday. I was doing dishes. So if you saw my Instagram, she <laughs> yeah. caught me. <laughs> she took a video of me. Uh, she's got me washing the cars, doing some chores at home, um, just so I don't get too lazy. But we're watching... Netflix, a lot of podcasts, things like that. And yeah. then just refreshing. So it sounds stuff. like you're keeping quite busy. Yeah, well, it, you have to, eh? You're in 24-hour lockdown. What else must I do? <laughs> yeah, exactly, man. Anything cool that you're watching on Netflix at the moment? Uh, I watched, actually, a thing called The Circle. So I watched yeah. it with oh, the wife. Oh, no. So it's no, you must listen to this. So it's actually pretty cool. <laughs> so it's people that go in that it's a social media concept thing, right? Yeah, so yeah I've seen to, a bit of it. Oh, okay, have you seen it? Oh, okay. Yeah, so I thought it was pretty cool. And it was a guy called Chibi. I liked okay. it. I thought yeah. it was absolutely no, brilliant. That, that type of thing is not for me, mate. I'm not into the, the old reality <laughs> TV scene. I don't. I don't know, man, because it always feels like these those guys are like they're trying to be real, but they're actually acting. So I don't know. Yeah. I don't buy into it uh, most of the time. But yeah, I know a lot of people who like it. So uh, yeah, glad you enjoyed it. Anything uh, sport related that you managed to catch up on? Okay, so another thing I've been watching, right? Two things. So one thing is I've been watching um, a thing called The Ultimate Beastmaster. Okay, you must watch that. Now that is pretty, pretty cool. It's got uh, so these guys come from all over the world, so China, USA, 
yeah. Italy, and then basically compete on this obstacle course thing. So a lot of the guys are like parkour guys. Gymnasts. Oh, okay, that's cool. Yeah, you will see them bail. I absolutely love it when they smash their faces. Yeah. Like <laughs> <laughs> it's like some some guy. Um, he had like a hip injury. Go cut himself open. It was, it's crazy stuff. Crazy stuff. But the, but it's really good. You must watch it. And then yeah. I've watched the test on yeah, that's cool, Amazon. Right? Yeah, that was pretty good as well. So, so yeah, also cool. I also watched that um, a couple of weeks ago. It was really good to see, like you know, the behind the scenes. I like those types of things. But for me, like with the test, for example, it's just like that was made with a specific purpose in mind to yeah. get the public to, you know, support the Australian cricket team again and almost fix their image. So, like, from that perspective, I think they achieved their goal um, tremendously well and it was well produced and well put together. But, yeah, I think that that was it for me. It's just like it's made for TV, so you enjoy it and you go on that ride with the team. So uh, it was quite cool in that way. But I don't think it's anything more than that. I don't think it shows too much about what actually goes on behind the scenes because they obviously edit um, quite a bit. Yeah, so I was going to ask you now, do you think a lot of it was maybe staged as well? Because I thought some of the scenes were a bit too much in certain areas and stuff like that. They were emphasizing too much on it. I don't think it was staged. But I think they they obviously cut the footage in a certain way to, you know, increase the dramatic effect. And in hindsight, when you have players commenting, obviously they can cut back to certain things to, you know, have more of an effect. So, like I said, they're just well put together. I don't think it was staged in any way. I think people do certain things. I mean, you know how it is when a group of guys get together. I mean, you've been on enough teams, um, I'm assuming to to know that type of banter that goes on in the dressing room and so on. So, yeah, fairly fairly accurate uh, from that perspective. Nothing too dramatic, but uh, I just thought, yeah, it was well put together to emphasize certain points that you know they came from a low point. They recovered the image. They reintegrated the two guys um, and Cameron Bancroft actually, and then you know they went yeah. on to have a good World Cup and retain the Ashes and whatever you know. Uh, I pretty much, if I could sum it up, I would say it's pretty much just a fairy tale. <laughs> yeah, it was like I watched it and I was like, I, I think I even told you, like, I really enjoyed it. It was really good because you saw some things that you, you like, I don't normally think that's what's going on there, you know, yeah. like certain yeah. things that they were doing and stuff. And I was quite surprised with some of the stuff that they were putting in. Yeah. Um, but like you said, they did the story and the storyline of the whole thing was pretty good. And I think they did a good job and succeeded in what they wanted to achieve. So it was pretty, pretty good on that side. Yeah. I mean, it's like good entertainment, you know? So, uh, yeah, speaking of cricket, so a nice little segue here for us coming back to you and, and your journey within the sport. Um, just a little bit, maybe from you, I know you don't play that much now. It's obviously a bit challenging um, besides for the lockdown, we've been trying to get a, a couple of cricket games going uh, and we just, yeah. you know, haven't been able to find the time, facility or whatever the case is because over here in the UAE, the facility is probably the, the primary challenge and I know you're quite keen to, to get back onto the field and so am I, but in the past couple of years since you've moved um, over to the UAE, have you been playing much? 
I played a little bit of indoor cricket. Um, so there was a South African group of guys that um, actually my friend, Carl, we used to play a lot of cricket together. And mm-hmm. he's moved recently to the UAE as well. So he got me on this group. And we went to go play in Alcuz for a couple of games. In the beginning, it was, it was really good. But as everything, yeah, it fizzles out after a couple yeah. of weeks. Like, I think we did it for two months and then everything fizzled out. We even yeah. played one season at the ICC Academy. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, that, that wasn't our scene. And I think after yeah. that, everything just fizzled out a bit. We still have the group. Guys are still talking about playing cricket and stuff like that. But um, I think for most of it, yeah, it's it's hard with the lifestyle and stuff like that. But yeah. maybe after this lockdown, I should drop a, a, a message there and say, hey, guys, who wants to play cricket? I think everyone yeah. will be cheap. The so, only challenge there, I suppose, is it's going to be quite hot. So outdoor games might be uh, a bit challenging. But uh, definitely indoor cricket is something that, that obviously gets played quite a bit over here. But that problem you mentioned, I mean, I played a lot of indoor cricket over in Cape Town. You know, we had a team with some family and friends and it was like more, I'd say it's more of a social team that we had, you know, just to see each other every week and, and have, you know, like a game out. But uh, the problem was always consistency and people just can't commit regularly yeah. and I'm sure that was something that that you were struggling with you know <laughs> asking me a couple of times if I want to come play at the 11th hour and you, you can't just have fun man like you want yeah. you don't want to be running around 30 minutes before a game looking for players uh you know that just uh, not a big fan of that but anyway that's uh that's indoor cricket for you um but as a player I know you you're not the, the orthodox uh, type of player so tell us a bit more about your uh Left arm leg spin. Yeah, so a um, ball left arm legs. Well, try, try to ball left arm. <laughs> I think I'm, if, if I was really good, I wouldn't. <laughs> yeah, be really training, getting ready for the next test match or something like that. But yeah, so ball left arm legs. Bat. I used to bat three, four, but now the eyes can't see so lucky anymore. So yeah. I'll probably bat like seven, eight now. Um, if I had to play again. But yeah, so I used to be top order batsman and ball left arm leggies, but mainly bowling for me. And were you were you always a, a left arm leg spinner? No. So that changed when I was 10. So basically what happened one day is we had a game and the coach at that time said we were in a spot of bother. And we had to win the game. And he said, guys, he called, called the team. He said, listen, can anyone bowl spin? Because he said, someone that can bowl spin, we're winning this game today. And everyone looked at him, you being a 10-year-old. So I made a joke. I said, well, I bowl spin to my dad in the back of the garden. So he goes, yeah. okay, you're bowling next over. So I was like, okay. So we gave the ball. So I bowl, first two balls, walk back. He goes, you're never bowling pace again. He says, do you actually know what you're doing? I'm like, no, I'm just bowling spin. <laughs> so I didn't know I was a Chinaman bowling leggies and the ball was turning and he just couldn't believe it. Like, he looked like a kid that just got the best present ever. Yeah. And at that point, I didn't understand. So, but yeah, that's where it all changed for me. Okay. I was never allowed to bowl pace ever again. Yeah, I mean, it's so, not that common to have a left arm leggy. Um, in your setup so that's quite cool um, and then yeah how far did you manage to get uh, with your cricket because I know you, you you played quite a bit 
Um, but I mean, yeah. to tell us a bit more about the level that you ended up playing at. So obviously played first team in the primary school, first team high school. I played representative cricket for the district. So that went every year. Um, even played in a year above. So under 14, I played under 15. Yeah. And, and just to, I know we, we spoke earlier about being in, in Dubai, but when you were playing cricket, where exactly was this? Because you're speaking about districts and so on. So, so I played in KZN, because in okay. Natal, Durban. Yeah. yeah, so I was a pine town boy. Went to Kalofta, <laughs> Black Afrikaans school kid. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, but it was nice because in primary school, we were quite a strong team. So we had... Um, the quickest bowler he made Natal schools yeah. and we had really we had a guy that could swing the ball in and out and um, really had a very well, what what do you call it you can call it uh, oh, thinking of the word now balanced side so really good balanced side we had can you just think of so, the word in Afrikaans and then it translate it <laughs> No, I was actually thinking, I was thinking for the English word. So in primary school, we were quite competitive. So we played all the strong schools like your Westville, your Highbury, you know, Thomas More. So in primary school, you could compete. But once okay. you get to the high school, the high school was really weak. Yeah. So we didn't play like your Westville, your Glenwoods, those type of school. We, I think we played Westville in our um, trickier. We yeah. played their second side, which we ended up beating quite convincingly. We asked the first, for the first team. But at that point, guys, we didn't take risks. And a lot of our guys ended up going to Westville, Marysburg. Because in primary yeah. school, when you're so strong, they end up leaving. So, yeah, so played for Pineton in districts because that was the district that I was in. So I played right from under 11 right up to... Under 17, played district, played Kaiser in indoor cricket. Yeah. Uh, played a lot of club cricket. So played for, at that time, it was Forest Hills Cricket Club. So okay. while I was in school, I, I yeah. played for them. And then um, went from them to Chatsworth United for a season. That sounds a bit more familiar, really? I was going to say. <laughs> I, know a, I know a couple of teams from the, the Durban scene and... Forest Hills wasn't one of them. So Chatsworth, I think there's another one, Railways. Yeah, so Railways was Division 1, but Chatsworth okay. United was in the Premier League Division. Yeah. Uh, was a bit at Rovers for a couple of weeks. I didn't really like the vibe there. And then played a couple of games for Collegians, and then I stuck at UKZN. So I played okay. for them. Yeah. And then played for them until I got, came here, so... Okay, Which cool. was quite so, cool because we had a worth, nice coach and things like that. Okay, awesome. So, worth sorry to, to cut you off there, mate. Um, no, worth because no I just thought of something there quickly. So, you mentioned UKZN. Is that just a team that you played for? Because I know that a lot of times you can actually play for universities without actually being a student. Or did you yeah. study at UKZN? No, so I studied at Varsity College um, and then played for. University of KwaZulu Natal. Yeah. So, like you just said, I was a like. So they have fees for people that are students and then people that are not students. Yeah. So we just had to pay those those fees and things like that. So I ended up just playing that, that which was probably out of all the club cricket, that was probably the best time. 
that yeah. I, I really enjoyed. It was a nice group of guys. We had a nice group going. So that was probably the best part. And and the, the competitive, not the competitiveness, but the idea of trying to make it, that went out the, the window. So it was just having fun and things like that. So, you, so by then, by, by the time you were playing for UK, you pretty much just accepted that you were just going to play cricket for fun. Is that fair to yeah. say? So what yeah, brought about so, what was the moment when you knew, okay, you know what, I'm not pursuing cricket as a career anymore. So I was in so I got to the end of high school and my dad said to me, Listen, you gotta make a choice. What are you gonna do? You have to study something. I didn't want to study. I said, No, I'm gonna keep going at this cricket thing, I'm yeah. gonna make it. So he said, Okay, but what if you don't make it, you've got to do something else? I said, Okay, what's the closest thing to playing cricket? Oh, Sports management. I said, right, I'll study sports management. You want me to study something? I'm going to study sports management. So I um, studied sports management. And then in my first year, I failed two subjects. Oh, nice. Man. And, yeah, my dad came to me and I heard about this, where you can go to the UK and you can go play cricket there. So I, he said, right, so you can, we, we, you can jump out of university, right? So and then say right, it's a fail didn't happen. I'll send you to the UK. You can go play there and try your luck. Because we're still yeah. turning twenty, so we're still very young. Yeah. And um, he said, "But the decision is yours." And I was like, "Yo, well, I'm twenty. So if it takes me like two years and it works, then it, then I make maybe the first side there. Then you know, to start getting to the ages." And yeah. I was like, "Okay." It's either that or I carry on. He's willing to pay for another year. Carry on and let's see if I can get. So I ended up choosing studying over the cricket. So I think by that point, I think that was the the turning point for me. Is what my dad gave me an option and I ended up just making decision. Whether I made the right decision, we'll never know. But I think I did. I think I think I did. Yeah, you seem quite comfortable with, with the decision, you know, having gotten to know you over the past couple of years. I uh, seem quite yeah. content with, with where you're at at the moment. So um, from that experience, you know, you mentioned that you failed uh, two modules. What what was that experience like and what do you think you learned from that? Well, it was it was tough. I was never really a studying guy. So it's it's very hard for me to sit in a room, study for three, four hours straight on and yeah. it's tough. I lose focus quite quickly when it things like that. And um, when that happened, it was also two subjects that I really struggling, like financial management was the one. And mm. that was one, that was a module that you had to pass to graduate. And the other one wasn't that important because you could fail it, but it's not, it's not like a must but I ended up passing that as well because my dad made me because he paid for the, <laughs> the thing. Yeah. But um, I think the financial management one was really hard because I also didn't have maths in okay. high school. Yeah. So it was a real challenge for me. So I said, well, I've given the cricket up. So if I fail this, what's going to happen to me then? Yeah. <laughs> I, I like, yeah, what yeah. am I going to do? Yeah. So I ended up just... Cracking at it, did the studying part. I even got my sister, which was seven years younger than me, to help me with 
um, the work. She was able to help me. Um, my dad helped me. He knew a lady that he could get in to help me out. So just ask friends and stuff. And I ended yeah. up passing it. So I'm happy I, <laughs> I passed it. Yeah, well so, done, man. Yeah. Sounds like you uh, persevered through the challenge, which, uh, again, it just it speaks about your character. And obviously, getting to know you, I've seen that, obviously, in the way you, you coach and go about your business. And we'll come back to that a bit later. But something I wanted to ask you while, while you're on that point is you mentioned that you got into or you studied sports management because you just wanted to do something um, related to sports and, and work in the sports industry. Is that the same with you taking up coaching or is there a different story there? Well, the coaching um, basically started because I had to make money to go out and stuff because my dad ended up paying for my studies. Yeah. So, you know, when you're young, you want to go out, you want to enjoy your time, you know you're a, you're a college student now, you want to enjoy that life. So, yeah. I had to make some pocket money and all my mates would do, they were bartenders, they were doing that. I tried that, failed miserably. I'm the worst bartender in the world. So I couldn't do that. Then some of them were wait, waiters or waitresses and stuff like okay. that. I couldn't do that. So again, closest thing to sports coaching. So my coach that used to coach me while I was growing up in primary school, High school, he wasn't like that much involved because he was part of the primary school, but our school was one school. So we had primary school and high school. Yeah. So it was combined. So he still had influence on our cricketing careers going forward. But anyway, yeah. so he brought me and he said, listen, come coach first. So I was like, okay. Ended up giving me uh, the 10A cricket team and he gave me the 9 um a rugby team and he gave me I think it was under 11 hockey team he wasn't too phased about hockey because we're <laughs> African school so he didn't care too much about that but he gave me an under 11 a, um, hockey team but what yeah. you must remember it's a small school so you're 18 you probably only have two teams yeah yeah so, <laughs> we like the hockey there was only one team but anyway so yeah he gave me the um teams and that gave me pocket money throughout the year because it gave me coaching first term, second term, third term, fourth term. So he basically opened a little door for me. Um, don't I didn't know what I was doing at that age, to be completely honest. Yeah. If I look back now, yeah, probably the worst coach <laughs> ever. <laughs> so, yeah. But um, I think I was there for the boys, and I think that, uh, and well, they had some girls as well that played some kind of yeah. some of the sports and stuff. So I was there for them, and uh, I, I like to think I helped them out at that age. But uh, yeah, <laughs> not sure. So, so with that experience, I mean, starting at that age group and and getting involved in in coaching, when did you realize that you know what you actually enjoy this and it's something that you could do, you know, as a career? I think after I finished studying, um, you have like, and I think this is this is the tough part, is after you study, you don't literally like fall into a job. I think everyone that graduated in my class, I think two two of the like A plus class students, you know, yeah. 
they didn't even end up going into the sports industry because they were yeah. they weren't getting jobs. And then two others they fell fell into into schools and stuff like that. So I, while I was studying and coaching, I got another coaching job with a big mate now called John. He was working okay. for Sharks Kids. Yeah, yeah, so he basically worked for Sharks Kids. And I got a job with him and he, after finishing studying, I was just jumping from coaching job to coaching job. Like I was doing three different coaching jobs. So I was yeah. coaching at Kolofta, I was doing Sharks Kids, and I was doing PE in the mornings at um, another school called Kluf High School. Okay. So basically, I just do coaching. So that's how it started. So again, little doors were opening up, but it wasn't like yeah. a full-time, yeah. full-time career. So while I was doing that, um, I got some opportunities. I even... You will not believe this, but I I used to put in, you know, these trelly doors you get in South Africa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So my one of my good mates, mom, she's the branch manager for a company called Magnador. Yeah, yeah. This okay. Is not I a, know that. This is not yeah. a plug-in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a plug-in. I'm just just mentioning uh, it, but again, she gave me an opportunity when I didn't have a full-time job, so. I was doing that on the days I didn't coach. And I think that was a good turning point because in the days that I didn't coach, that was very physical, hard work. I had to Mm. use a drill, it's walls, and put bugs in and put these heavy. And I was like, one day we were driving back home and I was driving with the guy that, because I was his assistant. And I was just thinking, (laughs) you know, I have a lot of respect for him. He's quite good at his job and stuff like that. But I was just like, I wonder where he would have, what was his dream job? Yeah. And where, is this what he wanted to do? And mm. I was just like, no, this is not what I want to do. So, yeah. again, luckily, door opened up for me and I got a um, job at Kolofta to be the sports manager. So, okay. before that, I, I got a, so this John guy, wherever he ended up going, yeah, yeah, I went with him. Yeah. So you know how it works. So yeah. we went to a school called Kingsway at a high school in Mamson Toti. Give me a geography um, lesson about KZN. <laughs> I've been at all the schools. I've even been a boarding master, believe it or not. So I've done it all. <laughs> so, so while I was at Kingsway, I was also, like I just said, a boarding master at West School Boys High. But that was only for a couple of months. Yeah. But I did it. So it was pretty cool. Um, so I was coaching at Kingsway and this opportunity came up Um that's it. Okay, right. Kolofta needs a sports manager. So luckily the school knew me and stuff like that. So I said, well, I'll do it. So at first it was like, just come do it, come help us out. So the headmaster was like, I can't give you yeah. a full-time job. Can't give you a, like a full salary, but I can give you for the hours. So they gave me a certain amount of hours that I had to do. In the morning, so I'll go in, do a couple of hours, and then do all the coaching. I was still allowed to coach at various schools. Yeah. So, yeah, so that's where it started. So that was the 
turning point. But that, but going back to the Magnador days, that's where I realized, now nah, this is not for me. I think I can do this coaching thing. I really enjoy it. It's a passion. Yeah. I enjoy seeing the kids develop. And, like, I enjoy rugby and cricket. So yeah. it was a good way to go and get my CV up. And, yeah. So yeah, that's what you like, see. In, yeah. <laughs> It sounds like they the experience kind of guided you towards um, you know a career in coaching, and with regards to coaching, did you have any formal qualifications when you know at the time, or what what did you do before getting that job at the at the school? Because obviously you said you you did your sports management, but was there any yeah. other qualifications specific to coaching that you you obtained? So we had to do, while we were studying, we had to do first aid. So obviously I did that. And yeah. then we had to do level, so I did level one cricket at CSA. Level two cricket I did as well, but I, I, I think I failed because they never called me back. So you I'm assuming think you I failed, failed. Level two. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, I never got a certificate. I never got a call back because they were going to call you back saying that you made it or not. I didn't get a call back. So I'm assuming I didn't make the, the crack, which I'm not surprised because it was 21 when I did level two. Yeah. And in my group, I had H.D. Ackerman. And okay. he went with, yeah, with the uh, assessment state. He went before me. Yeah, and it didn't go well. It was a very, <laughs> very bad day. Like, I get I get why these guys are commentators, analysts, because they really know their shit. So, yeah. Thanks. Thanks, HD. You probably cost my little too. It's <laughs> <laughs> actually interesting because when I met you, because obviously when I, when I moved to Dubai in, in late August 2017, one of my first, um, I think it was my first week um, when I started at the ICC Academy, they were actually running a level two course and you were on that course. So I didn't actually yes. know that you had done your level two in South Africa previously or, well, attempted to do it. So I, you, I did it. I just didn't get the certificate, <laughs> but I did all, for, all of it. The whole week I was there, did, did, went through all the lectures, did the assessments. But yeah, well, good experience, man. I enjoyed yeah. it. So what got you then to do the level two at the ICC Academy? So I came across to Dubai and um, I worked for an Australian sports company where they do yeah. 10 various sports, but it was mostly for like nurseries and little kids and schools, but up to I think 10 years. So it doesn't go past 10 years. Yeah. And the company actually said that, oh, if you want to go further in your coaching, we'll pay for it. So okay. I was like, oh, okay, this is great. So I started doing research. So then I saw, oh, the ICC Academy, they do level level one, level two. So I spoke to my girlfriend at the time, which is now my wife. Okay. And uh, <laughs> so I spoke to her and I was like, should I apply for the level one? But I've already got level one. Should I apply for the level two? Yeah. Or should I risk it and apply for level three? Say I did level two. So did I get the certificate? I try the level three. So I ended up deciding, no, let's do the level two. Let's see how it is. Because that was my... I was curious to see how that would be compared to the South African one. Because I've yeah. done the South African one. And 
I'm glad I did level two. It was absolutely yeah. awesome. Really, really good. Yeah. It's funny and how these, yeah, and it's funny how these <laughs> things all work out, man. Like you mentioned, um, you know, failing at at university yeah. and the opportunities that come with it. Like sometimes, or in the moment, you sometimes feel like, you know, what's happening, and these challenges are you can't overcome them, and why is it happening to you, and stuff like that. But when you look back, you actually see it was an opportunity for you to to grow and for you to you know overcome whatever challenges were in your way. And it's the same. Like, I mean, if you had actually got your certificate for level two, there's two ways you can look at it. You would have either done level three or, yeah. you know, you just wouldn't have, have done the level two over here. And, and I'm sure the experience for you was something that you, you wouldn't trade away for anything. Yeah. I, I think also like, I think maturity is quite a big thing as well. I think, yeah. When I did it at 21, I honestly don't. I'm, I'm actually glad it didn't give me that certificate because I wouldn't have. <laughs> I don't think I deserve it at a maturity level. So I think when I did the second one, the, obviously the maturity levels were higher. The most important thing is I, I had a lot of experience behind. Yeah, yeah. Where when I was 21, I hardly had any experience, and I think that was a big plus for me because the. I think that's why the level two was so much better for me because I probably understood it a lot better. I yeah. had a lot more knowledge to to also bring on board, you yeah. know. So I could I could also um, give my insight on everything. Yeah. So I think that that was the right time to do it for me. Honestly, so, yeah. It's quite interesting, yeah, because, like, I also did my level two in in Cape Town when I was 21 because that was the rule, right? As soon as you turn 21, you became eligible. And I think a lot of us just do it for the sake of doing it. Like, you know, it's there. We can get the level two, so let's do it. But the thing that's missing, like you said now, it's the experience. Like, looking back now, I probably, I learned a lot. I definitely, I had a good group of people um, on my course, I got some good opportunities that came from it. But I think the experience probably a bit later on after having coached, I would have probably taken a different approach or, or you know, learned a lot more from the experience. So I definitely think experience is is vital when it comes to to doing these things. And even more important is probably the why. So what made you do it and why are you doing it? Because then you're able to actually, you know, draw out um, some really good lessons from it. If you're just doing it for a piece of paper, then generally you'll find you don't learn much or you don't, you know, you don't really yeah. get anywhere with with it. But when you're doing it for the right reasons, like you're saying, the motivation was there at that time, um, then I think you definitely pull out uh, a lot more from the experience. Yeah, no, I agree with you totally. And I, I think I think now HD can come. I think I'll give him a run for his money. So. <laughs> <laughs> you probably you probably could you probably could uh, uh, watching your coach if there's one thing that I think uh, you'll definitely beat him on is uh, your preparation and punctuality so you're quite a stickler for time and I always give you a bit of grief for this but you're always setting up like an hour before when the you know the, the expected standard is what maybe 30 minutes 15 to 30 minutes before you're out there an hour before yeah. Um, so <laughs> where, where did that start? Like, where did the whole discipline, uh, disciplinary me- measure come from? I think 
it definitely came from my mom. I think as a kid, I was, I, I have the most respect for my mom and dad because I wouldn't have had the patience to deal with me for so long. Um, so mom and dad, well done to you guys. Um, yeah, I would say my mom. My mom was very strict from, from a young age because, you know, I took a lot of chances and I really pushed the boundaries. And I, was, I wasn't organized. I, my time management was awful. Yeah. I literally, I'm not the, the, so the guy that you see now is not the guy that was, when I was 10, 10, 15 years old. No, two completely different. But I think my mom played a very big role. And yeah. I also think working in the school system also helped me, you know, because everything's well-structured, well-organized, yeah. and you have to be well-organized and structured because if you make one fixture mistake, it could blow up in your face. And one thing you don't want is angry parents. That's the one thing you, you never yeah. want to come across. <laughs> yeah, so, so, yeah. I would, mm. my, my mom, my dad, and then obviously the coach that we've been talking about, he's played also a really big role, um, yeah. Mr. Van Beek. He was also, always, always very strict with yeah. timings, um, very organized, very well, like, Planning-wise, the sessions were always well-planned yeah. and things like that. So I think that played a lot of role because he was quite a big mentor and someone I looked at during my early coaching years. Like yeah. we would go out on a Friday or on a Wednesday afternoon and we would just talk sport and we would yeah. just talk about our, the coaching and I would like the cocky little South African, Afrikaans guy that I am. <laughs> I would like say, hey, why do you keep giving me the shitty team? I want the big team. I want to coach where you're coaching. And he'd always say, no, you're at the right spot for now. Yeah. When your time's right, you will go there. So I think he played a really big, big role in yeah. my coaching career and the discipline and things that come through now in my coaching. I think my parents have got to do a lot with that, especially my mother. So, yeah. yeah. No, it's cool That's to see all those from. or hear about all those influences because it now starts the picture starts coming together. You know, you can start seeing where where you get some of those characteristics. And we often don't realize, but looking back now, you can actually think think about you know where you actually develop some of these traits that you're using um, when you're coaching. So I mean, it's not exactly the same approach you would use on yourself or that was used on you, but it yeah. sounds like you've taken your experiences and kind of evolved it into, you know, what you want to do um, as a coach. So as a coach, I know that you started your own business or you, you pretty much run your own business at the moment. Um, and you also said that you failed financial management. So very interesting that that guy is I now running it. his own. Yeah. Eventually, <laughs> eventually at the second go, what the up. So how, how has it been for you? to start your own business and you know what are some of the challenges that you face so when I was in South Africa you know that period that we were talking about where I was jumping from job to job coaching yeah. coaching coach well yeah. not jumping from job to job I, I had them but it was all part-time gigs okay so obviously I then started like one-to-ones at the one school yeah and then obviously working for Sharks Kids 
in the late years when I got the so when I was working at Gelofte as a part-time guy in the beginning, um, where they only had a couple of hours, I had rest of the day between because our coaching would only start at say three o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah. So between twelve and three, I didn't do anything. So what I did was I sat one day, well, my friend that I worked with at sport at at Shark's kids, we had a bride the one night, and he said, listen, why don't you do what we did at Shark's kids? So I was like, well, what do you mean? He's like, you know what to do. You know how to do it. You've done it for two years with me. Yeah. You can just do anything. So I was like, I should try that. So I started in Python. So I got a couple of nurseries or preschools. Yeah. And yeah, that was part of my job thing. So I started doing that. And then when I left, for um, Genwood Prep, that was obviously, you can't have both, do both yeah, and yeah, stuff yeah. like that. I started getting my sister's friends to just do the coaching, but that's yeah. where it fizzled out. But it was never really a massive thing. I think it was just filling up the gaps. Yeah. And I think that's helped me a lot to do my own thing, yeah. So I think, again, coming back to, like, after leaving the... Australian sports company job that I had, yeah, after yeah. two years, I decided to not continue my um, contract. So I was just like, okay, so what am I going to do now? Yeah. So I worked at the ICC Academy, but again, you know, it's like, okay, it's not enough hours and stuff like that. So I just had to make the decision and I was like, okay, I'm going to do the nurseries and stuff. And yeah, now I'm there. Doing it now, I think, with a lot more experience, um, yeah. especially with the planning part, the financial part. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because I used to waste money. So that's definitely out of it there. And, um, yeah, so, but I think, like you said, I think I feel you have to fail first. Yeah. And then you'll always learn from that. And I think that's what's helped me because the the little sports academy thingy that was running in South Africa, that wasn't yeah. really... A successful that was the short term thing to be honest yeah. it was just filling gaps but if i didn't start it there i wouldn't have been able to have the basics to get it going yeah yeah just in course. the right way so. of course it's like you've been yeah. talking about the whole time the experience that you had has taught you call you know quite a bit and as long as you learn from experience you can always move forward and and be better and, and speaking of moving forward what does the the future hold for coach jacques stalls yeah, it's an interesting one. I mean, uh, I really enjoy working at the ICC Academy. So yeah. I'm obviously there at the moment and then doing the nurseries and stuff, yeah. Um, I think I'm at a point now where you're going to have to make a decision because if, you, if I'm going to grow the business to what it is now, yeah. then obviously you're looking at a long-term thing and obviously living in the UAE, You'll have to look at settling down in the UAE. So that's something that I'm probably going to have to discuss with the wife. Yeah. <laughs> You've mentioned before that you're, just... you're looking at the, at the UK as well. So any plan to take your business to the UK? Yeah. So that's obviously an option. Another option would be to maybe get into the county system. I think that's always been a dream for me to get okay. into high performance in the county system. That would be something nice and it's something new. I think I still have a lot to learn when it comes to high performance 
from the high performance to the elite. Yeah. So I think that would be a good place for me to go and start and get that going. So, yeah, I think that's definitely an option. I wouldn't like, um, mind going to an associate country, like maybe in the U.S., yeah. experience a different culture of cricket and stuff like that. But I think going forward, really looking at cricket as the main concern, and obviously I'll always have the, the rugby knowledge and the hockey and things like that, going yeah. through the schools and stuff like that. But I think cricket will be the main one, and I think that's the main focus at the moment. Yeah. No, that sounds awesome, man. Look, I, I wish you all the best um, in the future with your business and I hope that it grows, um, you know, the way that you want it to and it takes you wherever you want to go with you and your family. Um, before I let you go, though, uh, we're going to just have some fun. I've got a couple of questions that I'm going to uh, fire at you. We'll start off nice and easy and then uh, okay. hopefully it gets a bit more challenging for you. Okay, so it's going to be something like this. So basically, for example, the first question would be um, Apple or Samsung? Apple. Yeah, pretty straightforward for you. I don't even know how to use it. <laughs> no, no. Technology, I mean, no, we're not mates. It's like me and financial management. We don't sit at the same table. Yeah, but you eventually passed it. So, okay. Uh, yeah. Second question, Xbox or PlayStation? Uh, PlayStation. Okay, what are you currently playing? I'm playing, well, currently I'm playing Cricket 19, but I've also been playing a lot of FIFA 18. Okay. Uh, I like that. So FIFA's got this career thing called uh, The Journey with Alex yeah. Hunter. And I love the storyline and everything like that. So I've been doing that. But now I've got to get the 19 and the 20 because I want to finish it. So, yeah, and you, you yeah. also need to uh, refresh your soccer knowledge or up, upgrade it a bit, so... FIFA 18 is not going to help you. You're going to be behind. Nothing wrong with my soccer knowledge. We'll test that on another day. Uh, Okay. Question number three. You have two choices Um, uh, in terms of exercise. Would you rather run or cycle? That's a tough one. Uh, I think I'm going to say running because I've been doing that a lot longer than the cycling. But yeah, probably the body's more built for running longer distances than it is cycling long distances. That's quite a tough one, yeah. But I think okay. yeah. whether it be, I'll, I'll say running because I've done that longer. But I, I enjoy both, actually. So That's not how the game works, Shark. You can choose one. <laughs> it's either or. <laughs> okay, running. 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 Okay, cool. <laughs> now, here's, here's a bit of a, a, a tough one. Let's see. Who is the better fielder? Herschel Gibbs or John T. Rhodes? John T. Herschel Costas, the World Cup. <laughs> John T. Hands down. <laughs> so you're going to blame Sorry. for that? Come on, man. Okay, John T. Sorry. John T. You said, hey, there's no in-between. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, 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 look, John, John T. is the choice. I mean, you did give me uh, pretty much the, the whole map of KZN, so I'm not surprised you went with John T. Yeah, yeah. Marriage to gold, boy. There we go. Okay, I think you're going to like this one. Uh, Conor McGregor or Khabib? I'm not going to try and say the last name. Khabib. Ah, Conor. 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 No. Are you sure? So why did you say Khabib first? Uh, 
No, because you was, I wanted you to say the, his last name because I can't even say it. No, I can't. <laughs> no, Nergal Kermedov or something like that. Yeah, something yeah. like that. Sorry. Yeah. We'll leave that but, one out. Yeah, no, definitely Connor. Yeah, you're a big UFC fan. Yes, yes, yes. I, I'm actually looking forward. I hope they make the rematch because I think it will be a lot different. Don't get me wrong. Khabib's a really good fighter and, he's, and I, I like the type of person he is and things yeah. like that. But... He takes guys down. I don't really like that part of the UFC. I like the guys knocking each other out, elbowing each other, kicking yeah. each other. That's what I like. So that's why no. I'm gonna go with Connor. Before before <laughs> we get to the the last question, I have to tell you about this. So it's it's interesting you talk about guys, you know, the takedown and and wearing the opponents down. Man, the first time I went to go watch, um, it wasn't UFC mixed martial arts, but it was the the EFC, the Africa. Um, championships. Oh, okay. I don't know if you ever watched any of the EFC stuff. The first, I think, three or four fights that we watched, nothing happened. Like guys were just rolling around on top of each other, and eventually <laughs> they have submission. We're like, okay, so what now? Like, where's the action? And it yeah. was a, a, a terrible first experience, but then um, I stuck with it and actually. Watched a few more fights and it did get a bit more interesting. But man, I, I can't watch three or five rounds of people just rolling around. See, that's the thing. But in, in Khabib's defense, I would say he, when he takes it now, he does hit them. He does, but he, his, his game plan is to wear people down. That's yeah. what he does. And he's, he's excellent. He's probably the best guy that does it. But for me, like you just said, it's, not, it's, it's boring. I want to see guys get knocked out. I want to get see guys get kicked in the face. That's what I want to see. You, you sound like you have issues. <laughs> <laughs> Is there something you need to tell us? You like violence? No, I won't. I won't go. No, no. I just I like the sport. I think it's yeah. exciting. Yeah, it is quite cool. Okay, last question. This one is. Uh, yeah. I'm hope, hoping this is the toughest one so far. If you obviously you begin to rugby, so you let's just say play a game here you have to pick your your springbok team to win you the world cup final you have two choices for scrum off the first choice is ruan pina and second choice is for ridu priya who do you take oof yeah it's a tough one uh probably for ridu priya he's more consistent and ruan pina he went from 9 to 50 where through the prayers and number nine, he's more consistent. The only negative thing that I can say about him is that he played for a very long time for the wrong team. <laughs> so that's, that's all I got to say about him. What that. team is the <laughs> wrong team? But a great player, the Blue Bulls. No, ah. I can't believe he played for them. But he's good, consistent, a rating, really good scrum off. Ruan Pino, ah, yeah, no. He can just go play fullback. I prefer him on fullback. Okay, cool. Uh, bonus question. We have to do this because obviously everyone's in lockdown, okay, around the world. Okay. So if you, okay, you had a choice, who would you rather be in quarantine with? Okay, Joe Rogan <laughs> or Dana White? Joe Rogan. Yeah, gotta be Joe Rogan. Because I think 
with Dana White, you'll talk a lot of UFC and he'll, he'll probably give you a lot of business insight because, I mean, he went from nothing to he's like worth $400 million yeah. or something. So he, he can, I think he's a prime example of someone that really has worked really hard to get where he is today. And I think Joe Rogan's the same. I mean, this guy started at Fear Factor. Remember no, Fear yeah. Factor? <laughs> yeah. That's where People he started. Random shit. <laughs> <laughs> that's I, all I, I remember from Fear Factor <laughs> it's him and, and the eating part like he made the show to be honest I think he made the show but um, I think him because he's got this podcast but his podcast has like the, the people he gets on is like from yeah. UFC fighters to wrestling guys to scientists to guys that believe in aliens so I think the conversations with with him would yeah. just be endless. And I think we'd talk about anything and everything. So yeah, Sounds Joe cool. Rogan, definitely. Awesome. Okay, Jacques, that's us for today. Thanks for your time. That was, was really fun Brilliant. getting to chat to you uh, and to find out what makes you tick, you know, and what makes you this uh, very strict, uh, timeiest person. <laughs> Not that bad. Next meeting, yeah. Good luck, mate. Cheers. <laughs> Cheers. So that's all for this week's episode. Thank you for listening. And as you can tell from the interview with Jacques, the path to success in the sporting industry, and in industry for that matter, has lots of ups and downs, and each person has their own unique story. So whatever it is that you want to do, don't give up. There are always opportunities and every experience is a step towards achieving your goals, whatever they may be. So I'll be back next week with another episode and we have a couple of guests lined up who are also willing to share their own unique stories uh, working in the sporting industry and yeah, it's going to be awesome. So I will be posting this to YouTube as well and I'll cut it up into smaller uh, pieces that will go into Instagram. So jump on the social media, let us know what you thought, um, any feedback, always appreciate it. And yeah, I'll be back next week with another episode. So until then, stay safe.